Welcome to the Middletown Podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Wen Lawson, the brilliant researcher, lecturer and author caught up with Middletown staff member and specialist teacher Gemma O'Neill to talk about his work and the challenges of being an autistic autism researcher. Hi Wen. What made you become a researcher? That's a very good question. What made me become a researcher? Um, I'm really of the mind or of the belief that people act on what they've what's what's been shown to be so so research is a means to uncovering things that we need to know about so there's lots that we don't know and then you set out to research those things to find out what that what the outcome of that particular thing will be then that informs policy policy gets converted to on the ground it gets translated into everyday life so research should be translatable into everyone's life and autistic research in particular should be about helping autistic people understand the world we're all part of and understand non-autistic people um, help them understand autism in a way that makes sense to them so it's about putting things into everyday language that makes sense for people so that they can work with that what are some of the challenges you face as an autistic researcher working in autism research Mm. some of the challenges as an autistic researcher researching in the field of autism is that I'm faced daily by a kind of imposter syndrome that says I shouldn't be doing this I'm autistic and I can't do that that way and I can't what work as part of a team no 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 I don't do teamwork very well and there's all these things that eat away on the inside of me to take my confidence down and to challenge me my biggest challenge was learning to stand up for myself and say no as a human being i have a right to an atmosphere an environment that is work safe uh, work productive work positive for me and i that might mean i need to take my time over things might mean i need to put things into a different communication style so i might text email um before a zoom call so I've got things a bit more sorted. It also means that I might have to not listen to other people for a few moments because what they're saying will distract me from what I need to be working on. So there are lots of um, ways that I need to take care of myself and have confidence in my ability and then share that with the research team. This is what I need to be effective in the work I do. And uh, yeah, it's a big challenge, but it's really important. Some of your research has focused on late diagnosis and ageing. Are there any other areas that you think urgently need more attention? Yep. Ageing and getting older is a really important thing. It covers areas of medical intervention. Um, Autistic people are in that known category of people not taking up on things like breast screening, prostate screening, um, regular routine medical tests, blood tests, uh, eyesight. There's so much in the medical world that isn't geared up to work with autistic people, even dentistry. I mean, it's terrifying for some of us. Um, And those things are really important. So we need to be equipping the medical world, emergency services, to know how to to work with an an autistic person coming into their department. Um, Some hospitals, at least one of them in in, in Australia, probably UK too, has now got sensory tools and sensory toys. Um, It makes sure it explains to the person what's going to happen. 
because you can't assume anything. In autism, it's a very confusing world out there. So equipping people to work with us in the medical world, um, educating doctors, consultants, surgeons, dentists, ambulance drivers, the police. We've made little videos to help first responders know what they're supposed to do when they get caught out, a, a, a young person's gone missing or something like, like this. Um, so so ageing, getting older is one thing and how the world medically translates uh, uh, to our needs. But there's also the issues around being female or male or um, living with gender dysphoria and not quite sure who you are um, and trying to work through to get people to believe that as a person um, coming to terms with the fact that they might not be at home with the gender they were assigned at birth, getting psychologists, psychiatrists and those that work with us to believe that we know what we need, what we want. Because it's really difficult to, 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 to have people believe that as an autistic person you know what, what your needs are because they don't, somehow they don't uh, give us autonomy for, in that way. So that's another area and, um, and there's all sorts of ways of working in education with schools. Um, I've just written, I spent two years working with the South Australian government writing policy against um, restrictive practices so that they would know how to work with somebody and their seemingly challenging behaviour, which is really behaviours that come into play when they're stressed or when they don't understand something. So locking somebody up, giving them medication, uh, some really awful things that people will do. I've, I've seen somebody put the bookcases across the aisle in the library to stop a person in a wheelchair getting through. Well, they put the brakes on in a way that you can, and they tie your hands at the back and you can't reach. So writing policies to, to help um, enforce, engage with understanding in, in schools and education systems. Then there's work-related policies that we've been involved in. Um, research looking at buildings, what works for autistic people, how do we just set up the lighting, the carpeting, the soft furnishings, how things all fit together. Because everybody that's autistic is very different. What works for one person might not work for another. So doing something with what we call universal design, so that we try to get it right for most, certainly not everyone, um, get it right for most autistic people, you're doing well for most other people too. So there's a whole heap of things of that nature. Oh, it sounds brilliant. Oh. I love what I do. <laughs> it's evident. <laughs> yeah. It's evident. And you're making such a difference, actually, which is Good. great. Um your work has focused on autistic experience in the context of other identities, for example, different cultures or different genders. We know that lots of autistic people have other marginalised identities. What can people supporting young autistic people do to make sure that they're fully supporting all aspects of an autistic young person's identity? Mm. And it's so important to do that. So we've recently um, did a, a couple of year research on on various cultures. We worked with Vietnamese culture, Chinese, um, um, uh, people from the Middle East, um, very, very different needs in different cultures. So you need to use people that work with people that are of those cultures. Um, people outside of an understanding can't work the same as an insider person can. So we work alongside, it's called co-production. So everything I do is co-produced with people of that um, particular disposition as to what it is that we're researching. If it's gender stuff, if it's aging stuff, if it's culture specific, if it's language stuff, um, whatever it is, we work alongside the people that it's going to mean the most to. 
and it's, everything's co-produced from the, 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 the research topic. What, what would you like us to be looking at? And um, we recently put out a huge survey across Australia asking autistic people in Australia what it is that they felt. felt. Where are the research needs for Australians, autistic Australians? So we get the evidence from people's mouths. You know, they, they, they're, the, they're the people who say what they need. Then we break that down and we put it into workable questions that, again, we put out there to, to get feedback on. Um, um, so you absolutely make sure that you're hearing from the people for those people what it is that they need for their situation. And uh, it's all done with negotiation, with listening to. It should always be nothing about me without me, whoever that me is. And um, they're the priority, they're the people who know. And it's getting people to believe and understand that autistic people know too. And when, what are you working on next? I'm working on a few things. Um, uh, ADHD or attention deficit disorder with or without hyperactivity, because you can be, you can be, um, you can have attention issues or you can over attend and miss the things you're supposed to attend to. Inattentiveness is an impulsiveness. Those are all common. And they're much more common in autism than people have realised. So ADHD and autistic and the overlap. We're working on a, pro, uh, a project that's exploring how monotropism is apparent in, in ADHD as well. Monotropism meaning how very single-minded we all are because they look opposite. One's like you're too involved in what you're interested in. The other one is I can't stay interested in something. They look the opposite. But when you nail it down, there are so many similarities. That's amazing. I'm also working on, I'm writing a kid's book, which I, um, I was working on yesterday. It's, it's finished, but I'm, I'm trying to uh, refine it, if you like, with a beautiful lady who's uh, in Tasmania, where, you know, it's in the same country, different state in Australia. She's doing the um, illustrations, and we're putting together a book which is very challenging because it's talking about how to recognise sexual abuse. So it's written by a, an autistic child in, in that language, um, looking at the, the, the child is called Jessie, and uh, it's her diary, and that's the main book. And she works out how to actually bring to light what's happening to her, and this man gets caught. So it's a bit of a mystery, a bit of a thriller, a bit of a lots of down-to-earth stuff you need to be learning um, uh, all through the one book. So um, I'm hope, hope, hoping to get that to a publisher very soon. And the other projects are mostly around um, uh, adults and diagnosis. I'm part of a team. In Australia, we have the National Autistic Guidelines for diagnosing autism. And we're just renewing those. So I'm on, on the committee that's reviewing and renewing and updating those guidelines. And I'm also on a couple of other teams working with and looking at uh, medical services for autistic people um, and... Um, yeah, there's a few things that we're working on. Monotropism, as in being single-minded as an autistic person, we believe that this is an actual theory of autism, and we're we're working to to scientifically support the, the theory of monotropism, which is very exciting because I've been teaching um, teaching it for over thirty years now, and trying to get it taken seriously has been really hard because I'm not from the big universities with the big bucks and the money and the name you know, the researchers that, that um, get funded. So it's been hard work to submit grants, and it takes a lot of hours to submit a grant and then get funded and then proceed with the project. I also work with uh, PhD students, so I'm a, a PhD 
supervisor in a couple of Australian universities and working with the Birmingham University in the UK, in England, on their um, Master's Inclusion inclusion course, which is very exciting. So there's lots of things going on. And as an ADHD autistic person, I tend to have lots going on most of the time. Thanks so much to Wen and Gemma for sharing their chat. If you'd like to know more about Middletown Centre for Autism, you can find us at middletownautism.com. If you're on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Autism Centre and Facebook and Instagram at Middletown Centre for Autism. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.